Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction's Patreon, episode 92. I call Beers. That is right. This is the human torture sideshow gimmick. It's almost like a WWE staged event, but it uh, has a thin veneer of a science trivia show. As our fans know, Bobby is going to come in. We're going to do the Harlem Globetrotters versus the Washington Generals. The refs are going to make very be very strict on me. Bobby's going to be allowed to bring a ladder onto the court, but his dunks will be insane. No, you're right. If if by ladder you mean good questions with a well-intentioned game to hopefully get you to win once in the I don't know, 15 years since we started this podcast. Uh, yes, then wow. yeah, you are exactly correct. <laughs> 15 years. That's impressive. That's <laughs> Yes, I know. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's older than my nieces who I know were uh-huh. born way before we started the show. Arguable. All right. <laughs> I call BS now it's a game where I read four science news articles some of which are real uh, and some of which are BS standing for bad science they're all independent variables meaning they can all be true all be false or any combination thereof in between there's also normal just like regular quiz show rules about not making happy days references etc cetera, etc cetera. So you've heard it a thousand times and Damien pretends he doesn't know them every time he breaks one in order to once again lose to complete his <laughs> Before I get too enraged, I really I I appreciate how Bobby's paranoid trap focused mentality means that even though he has this rigged game, he always has to have some sort of trap set up or like have some vague idea of how he's going to deploy a popular show from the you know with I'm not naming actors, but he has a reference to a rule in the game. And uh and he 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 really plans ahead. So on the on the event that I'm ever at at three questions, he'll deploy it. And I'm always impressed that he that he just has it ready. He has his uh his uh his backup shoot ready to deploy at any David, point. David, when you watch like the NFL, do you think like the out of bounds is just an arbitrary rule that the ref decides he wants to throw flags for? Or do you think that that rule has been established <laughs> for a long time, everybody understands it, and if you were to be playing that game and step out of that that line, you can't just turn around to the audience and go, what, what, I'm not allowed to do that? No, of course you're not allowed to. You're the Tom Brady, the league bends, I'm like the anti-Tom Brady, the league bends the rules to ensure that I lose. Like that's the rules that stay the same since the beginning of time that we've always had for this game and almost every other quiz show game that has ever been popular. Those rules, which you can't seem to remember, even though they're pretty simple. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> you piece of shit. Please be coward. Publish the rules on, on the Internet. Publish the rules on our, on our old GeoCities website. Publish them. Uh, dear. Let's move right on. So I call BS. I call. I call. I call. I call. I call. Ring, ring. I call BS. All right, article number one. A new study out suggests that a popular diabetes medication may be causing MS and its users. Damien, is it science or bad science? This is bad science. Uh, this is America. We charge insane amounts for insulin. We don't care about people with diabetes because that is a flyover country disease, apparently, or poor person disease. So I'm going to say whatever this disease is that might be causing MS. What? Okay, what affects wealthy people? I think that's the question. Um, 
equestrian crotch, uh, Bentley foot, which is, uh, you know, the Bentleys just have a very particular sure. steering wheel. Yep. Uh, maid or servant focused depression. Hmm. High end escort STDs, which are like STDs you've never even heard. You wish you could get these STDs. Like, they're awesome. You only get this one from doing cocaine off an asshole. So yes. let me put it that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. guy parties. This is the Donald Trump. Oh, I'm sorry, the uh, Don Trump Jr. It's great. It makes your dick like twice as big. Great STD. Love it. All right, Damien. Sorry, this one is science. So this is really interesting. So anti-hypoglycemic medications used to treat type 2 diabetes, and I'll quote this from the article, resulted in an increased risk of multiple sclerosis in people older than 45, particularly among women. They found that men older than 45 had a slightly significant increase of MS risk and women older than 45 years exhibited a significant increase in MS incidence after anti-hyperglycemic exposure. In addition to age differences, the risk analysis by drug class showed that exposure to insulin in patients older than 45 years old was associated with a greater increased risk compared with other therapies. In patients younger than 45, anti-hyperglycemic exposure was protective against the development of MS. So this is super interesting because what they're saying is, you know, these people who are using a standard treatment for their disease when they get over 45, especially the women, man, this increases your likelihood of another horrible disease. By the way, when we were coming up with our fake rich person diseases a bit ago, yeah. I'm surprised I didn't bring back one of our personal favorites, dick gout. Dick gout. That is the, that's the rich man's, the rich pervert's disease. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, did we discuss that it's what you get from fucking too many liver and onions? <laughs> when you're rich, those are the fetishes you can have. <laughs> So this is a super interesting study, not only because of what it found, which is really interesting, but how they found it. They actually looked at a big data set of 151 million people, which is gigantic. And they narrowed it down to 5 million who had type 2 diabetes and MS, and, and they can cross-reference it. 5 million, also gigantic end number. And they were able to show this is shocking. And this is one of those things you can only really do with big data because the instances aren't enough to be like, oh, we gave them diabetes and they got MS. Like... It's in older people where we're already kind of assuming this and blah, blah, blah. It's not until you have big data numbers, the ability to concentrate all of these, these numbers and then look at them from different angles that stuff like this comes out. And it's why it's so fucking interesting as to why this is happening. There's a lot of theories on why, but we don't really know, nor do we know why there is such a difference between men and women, though it should be pointed out. There are obviously physiological differences and especially at that age group, hormonal differences that might be somewhat involved in this. Regardless, very interesting. I'm, uh, <laughs> I forgot. Like, I can never, there's certain topics I can never think of, like a guy getting hit in the groin with a football yeah. and dick gout because yeah. I just become giggly. It's just, just, I just can't. So, like, it's such a, it's, a, they're funny, funny concepts. Now, here's what's interesting. This might change some of the calculus on diabetes because obviously you're not going to just stop taking insulin because you don't want to get MS because MS kills you in you know years to decades and not taking insulin will kill you today. But remember, Damien, when we talked about how like 40% of type 2 diabetes cases could be cured if you fasted for three to four days? 
Yes, that's so. At, at a certain point, like we need to do like a like a contract. You know that old like uh, I think it was called Quitters Inc. and it was about quitting smoking. Yeah, we need to do something like that where like we basically just uh, throw. You know, if you you sign for this service. Uh, one day you're coming home for work. We throw you in a van. Yeah, and <laughs> just make sure you don't eat for yeah. four days. I mean, like, I'm curious how people in the Midwest, especially the Upper Northern Midwest, still have diabetes because if if the news is any indication, those motherfuckers get trapped in their car in a snowstorm along some godforsaken interstate for a week at a time on a regular basis. Okay, Bobby, here, I'm thinking outside the box here. Addiction mes- medicine. Um, what if the rise of amphetamines in the flyover states was to combat rising diabetes rates? Because nothing, when you're when you're methed out, you're not hungry at all. You show me a meth guy who lost a limb from diabetes, not a train, but diabetes. Like the, like the idea that like the CIA was purposely introducing crack into black neighborhoods to try and keep them down. It was like that, but they're like <laughs> trying to keep the Midwest healthier. <laughs> like, hey, Listen, we got a lot of diabetes and uh, costs and a lot of people taking up two seats on a Southwest flight. So we better, <laughs> we better crack this into gear. <laughs> Listen, we want to stop. If you want to avoid paying for universal health care, we need to like nothing will turn the red states around like uh, on on this issue like diabetes. But they hate people who are addicted to drugs. Oh my so. god, David, let's start our own comedy show, and it's called DEA, and it's about DEA agents throughout time in American history accidentally causing drug epidemics while trying to be helpful. So like there's some CIA DEA guy and he's in like uh, the worst part of like LA or Oakland or something in 1977. He's like, man, this place is really dirty. It'd be nice if somebody like had an impetus to clean it up. And somebody else is like, man, I just did a bunch of Coke the other night and I cleaned my apartment like crazy. And he's like, you're it. That's perfect. Great. Let's give him Coke. And he's like, I don't know. It was like $200 for an eight ball. And he's like, well, is there any way to make it cheaper? And that's how the crack epidemic was born. They were just trying to clean up the ghettos. And then they go over, they see the Midwest, they see that everybody's having trouble with obesity. Boom, they start fumbling meth in there, try and solve that problem too. Yeah, we're trying to give them more energy at the end of their days. We understand that poverty means you have to work twice as hard to get to the same place. So we understand, we, like, we just we just wanted you to spend some time with your kids. So basically, yeah, yeah, we're we're justifying a really dark time in history. But that's what we do. We're the we're the funny face of the DEA. That's what we do. All right, article number two. A new study has discovered that while honeybee colonies are being depleted throughout the world, the lifespans of individual honeybees have increased by more than 50% over the last half century. Damien, is this science or bad science? This is bad science. I don't imagine. I don't imagine uh, there's any good news. That I know. We're. I know we've. There is good news in the bee thing in the sure. bee world. Uh, and that we've identified what was causing the colony collapse, and the bees are kind of on the rebound because of that. But uh, but no, I, I don't imagine uh, that uh, they're any close to Highlander bees today than they were 50 years ago. All right, Damien, this is bad science. It's the opposite. Their lifespans have actually been cut in half in that time, at least according to the Honeybee Social Security Administration. God, uh how many, what are their digits up? They can't just be, uh, it can't just be the standard nine digit social security number. No, ironically, it's just two. I don't, I don't know how they pull it off. <laughs> huh. They're very good. Huh. They're, they might use their B dances. I'm not sure. It's, a, it's actually a cent, uh, social security. We can't sense it, but it's. So in fact, it's especially interesting because this was done not with wild bees, 
but with lab-raised bees, which is interesting because obviously then they're not exposed to environmental toxins throughout their life. Now, there is one slight caveat. I'll get to that. And the findings are that the lab-raised bees live about half as long as they did in the 1970s, which is crazy. So this arose from a lab experiment looking to analyze different food models in bees. So again, this wasn't looking at this. They were just looking at different food models. And for this, they took bees from hives while they're still in the pupil stages and began experimenting just like they had done in earlier parts of this experiment going back 50 years. They found that regardless of where they got the bees from, the individual bees only lived about half the time that the individual bees lived in the original versions of the experiment in the 1970s. Star that burns twice as bright burns half as long. You know what I'm talking about, Bobby? Well, this is insanely interesting because when this model is then extrapolated instead of just to an individual to wider bee colonies, we see a 33% reduction in bee colonies that almost exactly matches the numbers of, of the colony collapse of bee population, which we have talked about a, a bunch on this show. So maybe it's not an issue of oh man, these hives are collapsing or whatever. If the individual bees die at 50% of X when X was their lifespan in, in the 1970s, well then that would lead to the colony collapse we are seeing. Now normally, this would be super interesting just on itself if this had been done in wild bee populations, but this was done in a bee that was taken when it was in the pupil stages and raised in a lab. So if, if this is due to environmental toxins, it has to be due to environmental toxins the bee picks up in its pupil stages or beforehand. Otherwise, it looks like we might be looking at some kind of genetic turnover that has affected these bees to the extent that they live half the lives that they used to live. And if so, there might have been some weird quirk in evolution in which, you know, short-lived genes spread their way through bee populations incredibly fast and fucked them up. Or it could be some toxin that's causing, you know, them to live half as long, but that affects them in pupil stages. Either way, fucking insanely interesting. I got one right. So this is, this is the Washington Generals just uh, scored a three, but we're going to see how Bobby bounces the ball off my face and what he does on that drive. Article number three. In a crop engineering first, a completely lab-created gene never before seen in nature has been added to corn to create a final product that is much higher in protein content. Damien, is this science or bad science? Uh, yes, I believe that this is the first corn grown uh, for the American Midwest market. It actually has uh, bits of bacon that grow <laughs> out of the side. If you if you know what a lote is, if you grew up in Southern California, you know it's like uh, this is Mexican food where you just you put mayonnaise on corn for some. I have no fucking clue what's going on there, but but it's 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 horrible. I think it would just grow like that in the Midwest, just mayonnaise covering the stalks of corn as they grow out, and then little kids as they go to school will just like lick the mayo off the corn. <laughs> well, it depends which field. You sometimes are growing mayo corn, sometimes you're growing ranch dressing corn. There's different crops, Bobby. Oh, dear. Sorry, Damien, this one is bad science. Yeah, and the, but sometimes you're growing Baja Blast corn, Bobby. Do you even understand? Though it wasn't because they did not create a new form of corn that has more protein. They did, but they didn't do it by using a completely lab-created gene, but from an ancestral gene in non-domesticated maize, or teosinte. So we talked about teosinte a bunch of times before. It's the wild ancestor of maize, and the wild ancestor has three times the seed protein content of the corn that we know today. They've basically lost that ability. It has to do with their ability to fix nitrogen. 
And what they were able to find is when they went back to these ancestral groups, they found this one gene called THP9, teosinte high protein 9, on chromosome 9, and it encodes it encodes for an enzyme that's highly expressed in teosinte, but not in our modern day corn that creates, that allows for it to get more protein by increasing the nitrogen use efficiency of the, of the plant itself. This is really cool because think how many people eat corn as a dietary staple and how many of those people might suffer protein deficiencies, especially in the third world. If you're talking about corn, a grain where we get our carbohydrates also being a major source of protein, we could see a lot of diseases, a lot of malnutrition, a lot of things that are currently affecting people who regularly eat corn and we just have to plant a different type of corn we could see a lot of those things going away i eat a lot of barbecue chicken corn nuts does that count it's the same yeah it's pretty it's much the same. the same okay super interesting and damien here's a question for you what will the gmo people say right because if the gmo people come out and they say hey this is a gmo you're like yes it is it's absolutely a GMO, but we took the gene from the wild type. We made it more like the original corn before it was domesticated and corrupted by us bad people. We took that gene. Shouldn't you like that more? Probably, you know, I mean, you would think so, but I, on, on a positive note, this is all anecdotal, uh -huh. but I have not really heard shit from the anti-GMO people in a while. I'm sure they have, but I think the people who are, I think the, uh, the pliable people in the middle who are like, well, either side could be right. I think they know what the science is now. The hardcores, you're never going to convince them. No, the green I think, pieces I, of the world. I think you exist in an echo chamber. And I think in the echo chamber you exist in, you thankfully don't have that type of stupid around you. But trust me, that is prevalent and around just as much as it always has been. You and your academia, anti-GMO echo chamber. Shut the fuck up. I've had way shittier jobs and no way <laughs> dumber people than you, Bobby. You want to get into a dumb off? I'll dumb for dumb friend you right now. Oh, dear. And lastly... I'll even give you the ones that we share. Go ahead and have them on your team. <laughs> lastly, article number four. A new study suggests that a well-known eye disease that leads to blindness is strongly associated with cardiovascular disease. Damien, is a science or bad science? Uh, this is absolutely science, and I think we've been hearing about it for years. You know, when, like, a woman will, uh, a high-class British woman will, with a monocle will see something, and then her heart will give out. She'll drop the monocle, oh. and she'll faint. I think, you know, that woman, first off, she had the disease which affected her eyesight, necessitating yes. the monocle. This right. is me doctor-housing this whole thing. Yes. Then, Correlation, upon seeing an uh, interracial couple, yeah. to, to, see, to seeing an, a British lady and an Italian gentleman kissing yeah. would then cause the monocle to fall from her eye. Now, it's interesting you went that way, because that's that seems like a really valid hypothesis. I had my own. I thought, like, maybe it is uh, true, and the reason is because, like, people with bad eyesight will often confuse cigarettes for carrot sticks, right? Like, they're thinking <laughs> that they're doing something healthy, <laughs> but in fact, they didn't even realize they just smoked a pack a day, and they didn't even know <laughs> the entire time. They didn't even know they were smoking a pack a day. That's... <laughs> so... So they were. They just thought you had to light the carrot. No, no, no. That's part of the. No, they're they, eating the cigarette. They ate it. They, they're they eating ate the cigarette and lighting it. the carrot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette. <laughs> yes. Man, I really hate smoking cigarettes. Yes. And eating carrots, but you got to do it. It's... Yeah. Their their lungs were fantastic, but they got stomach cancer instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Every bowel movement was excruciating. Oh dear, Damien, this one is science. 
And it is related to age-related macular degeneration, which is also called AMD, one of the most common causes of blindness, and it happens as you age. Here is a really, really, it's, it's, and this is more interesting than you think. It's not like, oh, we have this weird association, we don't know what it is, or as Damien and I pointed out, maybe your lack of eyesight causes you to do stupid things. It's actually the opposite, and it's really interesting. So here's a quote from the article. This study is the first strong link between the leading cause of blindness, AMD, and heart disease, the leading cause of death worldwide. Furthermore, we also have strong evidence for what actually happens. The blood supply to the eye is directly diminished by these diseases, either by heart damage that diminishes blood supply throughout the body or from blocked uh, cardioid artery that directly impedes blood flow to the eye. A poor blood supply can cause damage to any part of the body, and with these specific diseases, the destroyed retina and leftover SDDs are that damage. Retinal damage means vision loss and can lead to blindness. So this is really cool because they're talking about the biggest cause of blindness that we have and one of the biggest causes of death that we know of. And they are linked because it turns out that blindness is not just the result of, you know, being old. It's actually the result of impediments to cardiac function, either global impediments or specific acute impediments that keep those eyes from getting the right blood supply. And that's what causes the bad vision and eventually the blindness. See, I would have thought it was the other way, you know, not being able to see really well everything from the road to walking down the street. You're just more scared oh, all the time. It's reflected in their old politics and everything yeah. and their just general worldview. But you're just, I mean, imagine if I couldn't see well and I had to drive to the store, that'd be terrifying. Just a base level of terrifying. I saw Bird Box. I know how that works. <laughs> but it's Bobby's holding up my open my eyes as I'm driving. <laughs> Damien, I'm telling you, you'll see better. We'll survive if you open your eyes. But this is also interesting because the vision issues are indicating a bigger heart-related issue, and therefore we might start using these vision issues as an early warning sign for potential heart disease, potential undiagnosed heart disease, potentially lethal or fatal heart disease. This is really interesting because anytime you take something that kills this many people, heart disease kills the most people of anything, anytime you take something that kills that many people, if you can make an improvement on it, like let's say this is a tip-off as a symptom, gives us early screen screening and we're able to, you know, prevent 10% of uh, heart attack related deaths that would otherwise be associated with this. You're talking to like hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world every year. Like that's a big deal if you could stop that many deaths. So anytime you have a big target like this, even taking away a small percentage of it makes a big difference in overall death numbers. And this might be that special tip off we need to save X percentage of people who would otherwise die of their undiagnosed cardiovascular disease. I would. That's a good suggestion, Bobby. But however, I know the political bent on average of uh, the population we're talking about, at least domestically. Sure. I mean, maybe maybe we can go by state. You know, hey, you're in California, you're, uh -huh. uh, you're elderly, hey, you know, you, you've earned it. But you're Alabama, you're elderly, I'm sorry. You know, uh, democracy has to survive. Okay, counterpoint. What if, by becoming blind, they can no longer be racist? Like, they would love to. They have hate in their heart for black people, but they can't <laughs> tell who they are anymore. And so because of that, it eventually leads them to some kind of empathetic realization that making them a better person because of their blindness. That or, uh, as I've learned, uh, when you lose your sight, all of your other senses become almost superhuman. So their yeah. sense of racism perhaps will become like, I can smell... Uh, uh, a non-Caucasian from a mile away. 
I mean, it, that is true, actually. But the, there is the the downside you hadn't thought to that about, which is if all your senses uh, get more powerful, then your sense of dick gout will become overwhelming. <laughs> Why am I so wealthy and enjoy fucking liver and onions? <laughs> well, I, well, I know I'm blind. I think it's liver and onions. <laughs> Sometimes I go to the orphanage and fuck this in front of the kids so they know what rich people do with their money. <laughs> and because I'm rich, I can get away with it. There are literally no consequences for this act. None. Oh, dear audience, thank you so much for joining us for Science Faction's Patreon, episode 92, where you learned all about a popular diabetes medication that might be causing MS, a new discovery about honeybees that might explain why their colonies are collapsing, how an ancient corn gene will give modern corn three times the protein, and... How the most common cause of blindness is also a symptom for the most common cause of death. Thank you so much for joining us, and come on back next week for Science Faction. 638. While AMD might be the most common cause of blindness, we are also looking into the second most common cause of blindness amongst Americans. Sun staring contests. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait, that's not right.